Cars on Call is a different car podcast. Two car guy physicians discuss car topics from a perspective you won't find anywhere else. My name is Steve Schutz, and I've been publishing new car reviews for almost 30 years. And my co-host is trauma surgeon Stefan Moran, who has not only operated on countless car crash victims, but has also published research on car safety. Welcome to Cars on Call. Welcome to Cars on Call. I'm Steve Schutz, and I'm here with my co-host, trauma surgeon Stefan Moran. And Stefan, uh, how are you? Well, I don't know about you, but we need some rain. It's hotter than hell down here. Been in the high 90s, and we haven't had rain in weeks, but it's hot and dry. But I got a lake to dive into, so no first world problem and air conditioning too. So, <laughs> but it's hot. Thank it God for hot. the lake. Yeah, I hope it cools off. Hope you get some rain. Listen, to, to start our show, I have been the recipient of a lot of shit about Aztecs. And, uh, <laughs> well, you maybe, deserve it. I know. Maybe because of karma. I saw three Aztecs in one day recently. Can you believe it? Three That's Aztecs crazy. in one day? It's, it's unbelievable. It must be an Idaho cult thing. I mean, this crazy. Um, I mean, it is, it is a really... So it's a, indie, a completely indie kind of car to own, you know? Yeah, what colors were they? Beige, silver, and yellow. Yeah, okay. Oh, the yellow one. That's really obnoxious. Yeah, it's obnoxious. So uh, I'll say this. You know, two people, you were one of them, uh, continues to give me shit about driving <laughs> an Aztec. And it was about 15 years ago. And I was getting, at that time, I lived in Boise, and I was getting press cars every week. And uh, I was going to go skiing. I was going to meet an old Air Force friend. His name was Stefan Moran at Sun Valley. And I told the guy a couple of weeks ahead of time, hey, I need something four-wheel drive and that has you know room for family. So he goes, no problem. He drops off a fucking Aztec. I'm like, oh, this sucks. But anyway, whatever. He, you know, you got to do what you got to do. So I showed up and you're like, oh, shit, Steve. I thought you were going to have a Mercedes. I'm like, I know. It's, I, what, I had no choice in this. They dropped it off. Well, back then, then, I mean, you know, we were working our butts off as red. I was working my butt off still and not making much money. And you're telling me all these cool cars you're driving and you freaking show up in an Aztec. I'm like, you got to be, is this this a joke or what? You know, (laughs) (laughs) I was, I was actually getting cool cars, but just not that week. Not that week. Yeah. So, and then we showed, I showed up at the, I don't think you were with me. I, I drove to the Sun Valley Lodge and right outside. Uh, is a friend of mine, well, actually one of my partners and his friend. And uh, I get out of the car and he starts to laugh and he goes, I was wondering what loser was driving an Aztec. I can't believe it's you. <laughs> and I said, it's not my car. It's a press car. And he's like, oh, that sucks. What's How can you? Yeah, how can but you I would have parked it, man. I wouldn't even have driven it. I would have been too. I would have just parked it and left it. Well, oh, in, yeah. re- in then, retrospect, <laughs> you should have. In retrospect, I should have uh, yeah. for sure because it's been you know more than fifteen years, and I still get shit from both of you guys about it. We so, deserve uh, it. So anyway, like it's car- it's probably karma that I saw three in one one day. That's just insane. So what's your uh, what's your car spot? What do you see? Well, I haven't seen anything cool driving around Arley, but um, I looked over in the corner of my shop, and there was. Under the cover of my 99 Miata, a hard S, which is a series one that has got the torsion limited slip differential, the Bilstein shocks and the front rear cross members. And I took it out for a drive and realized just 
what an absolute joy to drive a Miata is. And you know, it's got me thinking, I had a 60 Healy that was just a nightmare at the Lucas Electronics and the generator and all that. But this Miata is, I mean, it's t- what, 23 years old. I haven't driven in probably five or six months. Keep it on the battery tender. Walked over, turned it, drove it, drove like a gem. I mean, I, I really don't, I, I think there's no better dollar value than a Mazda Miata. I like the series. I like the, the series two, the second model, the best. I love that um, body style. I'm not big on the first generation, but they've kept true to the form. It's still a very light car. They've increased the horsepower slightly. It's just it's just a well balanced, absolute joy to drive. And I think everybody needs one. I mean, it's just you'll you'll, you'll never regret owning that. Yeah, it's a wonderful car. I've driven uh, many over the years. And, uh, of course, uh, yours is, is a, is a really good spec. That's the thing you have is it's a driver's spec, yes. uh, just, you know, an idea of just how great this car is, by the way, Nissan had ads, uh, probably 20 years ago for their first generation X Terra and, and their tagline was everything you need, nothing you don't. And for, uh, for an enthusiast driver, that's the, that's the Mazda Miata, everything you need, nothing you don't. You know, the reason I think I've kept that car, as you mentioned, it is I've got the stripped driver's version. Right. So it's cloth seats. It it doesn't have a CD player. It does have a radio. It, it, do, it did have air conditioning, but it's manual everything. There's no speakers and headrests. There's no leather. There's no insulation inside the body. And so it's really just about the driving experience. And that's what makes it enjoyable and i think if you're in the market for miata i would look for an r code or what to call a hard s type but the driver one that's just completely stripped out analog and just enjoy the ride yeah uh jeff bank my new partner who i actually did one of the podcasts with when we talked about bmw m uh he's got one on order a new one and he's going to take delivery in the next few weeks and he got it just the way you described manual transmission not a lot of stuff on it and it's just a driver's car uh, it's nice to see it. It first came out in 1990, so it's been more than 30 years. And here we are, people still, new generation of drivers uh, are, are buying it. I think it's great. You know, I think yeah, it's been out that long. And, you know, Porsche has held to the 911 philosophy over the years, but the car has gotten big and heavy, lots of extras. But you look at the Miata has not really grown. They've they've really kept tried to keep it pared down, kept the weight down, stick to the true design of what the car was made for and you got to give them kudos for that yeah it's it's really really uh, a wonderful car it's grown slightly but not a lot and the the, the formula is the same yeah you park a new uh 911 next to a first generation one it's ridiculous it's, it seems like it's twice the size and uh that's not the case for for the miata so i hope that hope that uh the jeff bank keeps his and and i know you're going to keep yours Stefan. why not yeah i'll never sell it i mean it's like why would I sell that for the enjoyment that I get out of it? Even though I, I, I will be driving it more often. Um, and I, and I want to get it on the track. That's my ultimate goal. But like so many things in life, it's, I'm running out of time. Yeah. But, yeah. It's, it's, you know, I'll just say very quickly, uh, I, I've been in the track a lot and I don't really enjoy it that much. And it doesn't mean I don't enjoy it. I do, but I wouldn't want to track my own car. You burn up your own tires, you burn up your own brakes. And, um, some people find that it's a little bit like bad golf. And that is that, you know, you're always trying to get your lap time down, trying to get your lap time down. And I think 
if you if you spend too much time at the track, you're so focused on lap time and bad laps and where you you didn't hit the apex right and the time wasn't right. I think sometimes there's frustration that that can they can mount and it's less fun than people might think. Yeah, there you go. That's that's good advice. Just go get a go kart if you want to have to do laps. Get doing a go kart. Yeah, or you know, do a, a track experience. You know, Very you and I, you and I did that with the R8, the Audi R8 track experience. That was great. Uh, someone else's tires, someone else's brakes, and I think that's maybe the way to go. And yeah, sage you know, advice. It's just, just for me. Um, some people have their track car and they love it, but I don't know. It's, I, I can see the frustration too. So, uh, by the way, speaking of uh, uh, driver enthusiasm, uh, a friend of mine sent me a link of something that is a thing. I didn't know it was a thing, but I am completely not surprised it's a thing. And Stefan, I'm talking about big Ultima Energy. <laughs> yeah. I'd never heard of it either. And you sent me a link and I watched it. <laughs> there are so many beater Ultimas on the road. And it's like, <laughs> it's well, a funny, you need to watch it on YouTube. Yeah. Watch big Ultima Energy. It's also on Facebook, but it's it's weird timing, Stefan. I got this Instagram message from my friend, Bob Rupel, who you know, and he sent this and he said, you got to check this out. And I did. And of course, that morning, which is yesterday morning, I was driving to the hospital. I'm on the freeway. I'm doing 80 and a 65, uh, you know, going with traffic. There's a pickup truck in front of me and two lanes away from me. And again, I'm, I'm in the fast lane. There's a little bit of space, but you really get, you have to be obnoxious to go over there. And I'm just, you know, I'm doing what most normal people do. You sit and you, you wait for the truck to pass the car. It's going to move over and you're going to go 85. It's, it's kind of what happens. Well, all of a sudden out of nowhere, I'm doing 80. This, this Altima blows by me going at least 90, passes by me, cuts in front of the car to the lane on the right of him. This is a clapped out black Altima. And it just blows by me, like I said, going at least 90, cuts in front of the car in front of him, and then goes and cuts in front of somebody else, and then is in the fast lane, finally. Just really driving incredibly obnoxious. It's a car's piece of crap. And the guy is wearing full headphones, like the big beats that cover your ears. And I'm like, that is so Ultima. So that's my one Ultima story. Then I got this, this, big, this big Ultima Energy uh, email. But then it reminded me of something that's happened. This is just before pandemic. So probably summer of 2019. I'm walking down the road, going to a restaurant with my wife and my mother-in-law. And it's a 30 miles, 30 mile an hour zone. And this Altima, silver Altima blows by me. I mean, I'm on the sidewalk and this thing blows by me. It's going at least 60. And I see up ahead, you know, your mind does all these calculations very quickly. The light turns orange. Or yellow, and I and I'm like, all right, this guy's gonna have to hit the brakes. He doesn't hit the brakes. I'm like, oh, he's gonna go through the light, and then he finally hits the brakes and he starts turning right. And my brain says he's not gonna make the turn. And guess what, Stefan? That's not gonna, yeah. He didn't make the turn, so he blows it. He, I hear the crash, and he crashes into a tree and a park car. Oh, that sound is that's yeah, Stefan. Doors open, two dudes blow out of the back and take off running. And then I'm like, all right. And there's one guy ended up sound why the driver. Yeah. So the driver stayed and these two guys run away. And I'm like, that's big ultimate energy right there. (laughs) 
Oh man, how many? You know, you go to Atlanta on occasion. How many times have you been Atlanta and seen same thing? Beater Altimas doing eighty to hundred in the in the left hand lanes. And you know, I for a while there, I was stuck on looking at um, F and runners. Now it's going to be Beater Altimas. I'm going to have my eyes peeled for Beater Altimas. It just seems like these Altimas are clapped out, crappy old cars, and people drive them like they're fucking crazy, like they're meth cars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they th- it, it is an amazing thing to watch, and I'm gonna keep my eyes peeled. But I, I've got it. I don't have a clapped out um, Ultima story, but I do have a funny Ultima story. So, one of my daughters brought home a boyfriend, and uh, they've been going out for a while. So she brought him to the lake to visit us. And like the first time I'd met the guy, I think actually, and you know, she had kind of prepped him. You know, dad's this, and dad likes cars, and dad could be, you know kind of give him the dad talking so we're sitting down and talking and i'm um, kind of having a hard time drawing some conversations like yeah so what kind of car do you drive and he looks at me and his eyes get a little big um uh four-door no. and i'm like i'm like four-door like a sedan uh yeah i said well a honda or a cord or a nissan toyota he goes um um i think it's a nissan i'm like no uh, he didn't know yeah and then they didn't know what type it was. So he walked outside and said, that's a Nissan Altima. <laughs> yeah. He he lasted a couple more months. But uh, <laughs> I mean, Caitlin was just, I could see poor Caitlin. I just, I shouldn't, I just, she, she was her, I could just see her just like cringing and melting in her seat that here's my dad, the car guy. And what kind of car do you drive? Four door sedan. <laughs> it's it's unbelievable i mean for us you just can't you can't imagine anyone not knowing what kind of car they drive you should know what kind of car you drive you should know everything about it you should know exactly what your next car is going to be and you should know what your next car after that's going to be and oh by the way i bet you he didn't notice the light on the dash either (laughs) what's that what's that what's that yellow and red light oh oh those i don't i don't know oh it's classic it's like you know it's like yeah, he's son-in-law material, and no, he's not. Not. No. <laughs> no. Anyway, so uh, that's it for Big Ultimate Energy, but definitely for readers, if you want to laugh, check it out. And then uh, I think, yeah, we're going to be noticing Ultimus on the road for a long time because it's a it's absolutely a thing. So anyway, uh, listen, there's a little bit of news. And uh, one thing I'm kind of excited about, I can't be totally excited, but I'm excited you know, this is the 50th year, 50th anniversary of BMW M. As an M enthusiast, uh, I've had two M3s and I still have one. Uh, I absolutely love BMW M. I'm just a big fan. I always have been. So I was really excited when, when they, they announced recently they're going to have the the uh, the new M3 Touring. And uh, you and I, Stefan, discussed the M4 CSL, and we both agreed BMW should make like a, an M3 Touring, what they should do is they should make something like the GT3 Touring, which Porsche makes, and they take their 911, they put their GT3 engine, GT3, GT3 transmission in it, so a, a normally aspirated uh, six-cylinder engine with a six-speed manual, and they make it just for driving, and they don't really care about the the uh, the time at the Nurburgring or anything like that, but it's for purity of the driving experience. It's great. And I thought if they could do that with M3 or M4, an M3 Touring would be fantastic. Well, they had they just announced an M3 Touring, Stefan, but it's not the one we wanted. In yeah, BMW. it's a shooting brake. Yeah, it's a, it's a, station, a station wagon. Yeah, come on, man. 
I mean, I, I know I saw that and I'm like, well, I, I do. I do love to shoot, you know, the English called the shooting break. I think it sounds a lot better. What do you drive a shooting break? That sounds way better in a station wagon or in a state, but I love that the hot shooting brakes, you know, the Audi Mercedes has done it. And I think that's just a great class. And if we had more of those in the U S perhaps there wouldn't be so many people driving, you know, SUVs all over the place, but yeah, also and touring just no that's not that just doesn't that doesn't fit with a station wagon no um you know the probably the best one in this country is the e63s uh which is on hiatus as you know but it's the mercedes wagon with a just a a rip-roaring four liter twin turbo v8 it sounds great it's super fast uh maybe a half step behind that is a bmw rs6 wagon they both look like, you know, what I would describe as an Audi R6 wagon. Yeah. Audi, yeah, Audi. Sorry, oh, R- RS, yeah, RS6. I love the looks of that Audi more than the Mercedes, though. That's just that Audi's beautiful. It's it is gorgeous, and I call them uh, uh, soccer mom mobiles on crack because that's kind of what they are. But I'm um, like, finally, BMW is going to join the club. It's going to be this great thing, and it's not going to be available in the U.S. Yeah. It's- that's weird. I guess that I guess the market share in the US is just too small. You know, back in the day, we you know, we had an Audi Avant wagon, which is an S6, and then we had the 850 Turbo Volvo wagon and loved those wagons. And we never did we never did the minivan deal. I mean, it kind of went to I went to Chevy Blazer after that. And then my wife just wouldn't, she would never just drive an uh crossover at the time or back at the time they're suvs i mean they were treated like an explorer or something but i think if they brought more of those to the u.s the market share would perhaps be better but hard to say i'm sure they you know they they did all the polling and all that but killer hot station wagons like that there that is a niche and i think they can sell enough to make it worthwhile but yeah touring does for those that like porsche and follow porsche touring just to me that's a station wagon is not a touring no, it's not. No, no, it's it's. A, I think it's a stupid name. For the record, it's the first official uh, M3 wagon. People have made some. You know, they kind of cobble it together using a, a regular BMW 3 Series wagon. They stick, you know, body kit on it and the M3 engine transmission. But it's not the same. This is official. This is really cool. And I'm bummed out. It's not going to be coming to the states. You know, a couple of things back on that touring. It does yeah. have a couple of cool features. It's all-wheel drive. And you can unlock the differential. I mean, you can turn into a completely real drive car. And I can't, I'm sure Chris Harris is going to hoon that thing and slide all over the place. But the other feature that I liked, which has disappeared on crossovers and SUVs, is the back window mm. on the hatch rolls down. I mean, when we were going up every station wagon and even the initial Explorer, you could open up the back window. You'd have to open the whole hatch. Nobody does that anymore. And I hate having to open the damn hatch just to throw something in the back of my wife's crossover. Yeah. But, it doesn't, so, it doesn't roll down, but it, but it opens. You just pull yeah, it. But it, yeah, opens it opens up yeah, individually just, separate from the hatch. Right. Which I think is super nice. Yeah. Uh, my wife has the previous generation three series diesel wagon. And that is an awesome thing. I absolutely love it. You just, you throw something in the back, you just boom, it lifts up. It's not nothing like lifting up the hatch, which is a big deal and stuff can fall out. You just lift the window and throw something back there. I absolutely love it. Yeah, thanks for mentioning it. That's a great thing. But again, 
we're not going to see it. It's just, uh, no. it's a shame. So we talked uh, a while ago, Stefan, about how AMG, you know, Mercedes AMG is not going to have their their V8 engine anymore. They 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 very quietly just kind of put it on a hiatus and didn't give any explanation. And uh, I just heard some news that they think it's going to come back for the 2023 models, but not till the end of this year. Uh, and they're going to change the name. So it'll be apparently the E-Class uh, and, and also the GLE, GLS. So the bigger SUVs and the E-Class, they're going to get the four liter V8 and they're going to be called AMG 73 models. What used to be the 63, now the 63 AMG is going to be four cylinder with hybrid assist and E-assist. That's uh, not the same. I, uh, I'm bummed out. Well, forever that 6.3, that's just been associated, you know, with the engine size. It'd be like, it'd be like continue to call a Mustang a 5.0 when they've downsized the V8 or the V6. It's a, no, it's, it's a 5.0. And the six, that 63 has just been around for a long time. It was the displacement and um, they probably have manipulated the displacement over the years, but I don't know if they're going away from that, but you know, I think it's really just old gray haired old guys like you and I that really probably care. I think the people that drive them could give a shit. They don't care. But, you know, purists like us are like, oh, but hey, they're selling the Mach-E Mustang. People don't care. If they like it. They buy it. But I still like that. There's no Mustang. But I just think it's an old 60-year-old guy problem. Yeah, it is. I drove a, a GLC, uh, which for also white-haired guys, you remember that from the 70s, that was a Mazda and they used to call it great little car in their ads. <laughs> yeah. So now the GLC back, but it's it's a Mercedes small SUV. I drove that with the V8. It was a four liter V8 AMG version. It was loud and obnoxious. And I'm sorry, but it's not going to sound anywhere near the same. It's going to be it's going to be just depressing just just because of the sound. Yeah. Anyway, whatevs, as they say, and. Um, you know, I guess it's we should be grateful that it's not electric, which of course is coming. Uh, a couple of words about sales, and and before we move on, but car sales for six months, and 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 it's probably more than six months, but for at least six months. Uh, in fact, I'm going to say for at least nine months. One of my offices overlooks a Ford dealer, and I every time I go there, I look at the parking lot because the parking lot again faces my office, and. I look for F-150s and for at least nine months, Stefan, there are zero, maybe one, maybe two new F-150s in there, but I'm going to go with zero because if there is one, it's gone like the next day. And I was there. I haven't been there in probably three weeks. I go back to the office. Last time I was there, which was three weeks ago, zero new F-150s on the lot. I go back three weeks later, 11. So I think they're restocking. Um, I also saw some super duties, but they're restocking. Yeah, today when I drove into work, uh, you had mentioned that. So I looked, I go by the small town Ford dealer, and he actually had, it could be her, the dealership had five brand new F-150s and an Area 51 colored Bronco parked out front. So yeah, I think you know that somehow they're getting the chips, they're getting the vehicles out, and uh which is a good thing for consumers that there's actually going to be a choice now. You're not going to be gouged. Yeah. Yeah. And what was happening, of course, they were still selling, but every time they got a Bronco or an F-150, as soon as it landed, it was already spoken for, it was already sold and somebody picked it up. Now they've got some inventory. 
Uh, I did not see any Broncos, but I'm sure the inventory will start to to lift on the Broncos. And you're right; it means you instead of getting gouged, you can you can haggle and go You'll back. Pay to, sticker probably. Yeah, which is which is okay. It's better than than over sticker. But uh, I'm glad they have inventory. It looks like the supply chain problem may be improving. I I hope so. We'll look at the sales figures for the second quarter of the year, which will come out in early July. But um, that's a little bit of good news. Anyway, um, another quick sales thing, you know, as you know, nothing defies gravity forever, Stefan. And and there's an old uh, economist, I guess, who said something along along the lines of unsustainable trends tend not to sustain themselves over time, which is a really funny line. But it's it's true. Everything eventually falls back to earth or or regresses. Bitcoin and NFTs. How about that? Oh (laughs) Oh my my gosh. My son wanted me to get in Bitcoin. I'm like, no way, man. I don't get it. I understand it. Well, it's boy, did they take a beating. Holy mackerel. Yeah. So yeah, unsustainable. Right. There's 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 something called a correction, which I think is a 25% correction. And what do you call 70%? That's a thrashing. It's it's just uh unbelievable i mean just right bloodshed bloodshed yeah uh blood in the streets so uh i i I was never interested in investing in bitcoin i don't understand it and uh there's some the the guy who said the guy who was in the big short forgot his name anyway uh the guy who shorted not not michael burry but the other guy who shorted the housing guy housing crisis played by steve carell in the movie Anyway, he was asked about Bitcoin uh, probably two years ago, uh, and he said it's only good for speculation and money laundering. And I thought, yeah. wow, uh, yeah. that's that's quite a thing to say. So I've never been interested, but a lot of younger people are buying Bitcoin or or NFTs. Well, they were, and they're regretting that decision now. But, yeah. Geez. So anyway, um, I think that the collector cards are coming back. There, I, I saw two recent sales in the auctions. Which I follow just like you do, and uh, one was a 992 Porsche GT3 Touring, and they've been up around 300,000, maybe a little over. And there was one looked like a pretty good spec, went for 287, 287,000. Uh, as we discussed when we were talking about the GT3 Touring a few weeks ago, there was one uh, that had a sticker that said market price adjustment, 200,000 dollars, so 200,000 dollars over sticker. So this one just sold for 287. Two hundred eighty-seven thousand, which which reflects about a hundred thousand over sticker, and with and that's the base price. Base price is about one hundred eighty, so um, probably less than than a hundred over sticker. So that's coming down to earth. And then there was a Turbo S Cabriolet, also a new one, just delivery miles went for for also around the same price, two hundred eighty-seven thousand. You think that'd be over three hundred? So it does seem like F one fifties are back in the lots, and some of these collector cars that that we're getting completely stupid prices. Are also now coming back down to earth. I think everything is maybe uh, the people with Bitcoin money aren't buying Porsches anymore. Oh, I think you're exactly right. And um, I was looking at a Cobra that came up for auction over the weekend, and I was following, and actually it didn't even meet reserve. I think the guy had an unrealistic reserve on it. But I looked at prices, and a lot of hot air is coming out of that market. Where I think we're slowly returning to some rational prices. I think in three months we'll be back to kind of ground zero. Yeah, I think it's recession. Right. I think about three more months would be the time to pull a trigger if you wanted a new car, or a used car, or a classic. You'll be back to reality. You won't be paying over sticker or some inflated price. Yeah, we won't know if we're in a recession until after the Q2 numbers come in. But 
I bet we are. I bet we are in recession. And of course, with uh, with it's not free money anymore. Now you got to pay interest rates of five, six, seven percent, as opposed to you know one percent. So everything's coming back to earth, and and a lot of the speculation and froth uh, in the market is is going away. So, hey, uh, one thing that just it just happened, and uh, it's a big deal, and I want to talk about it. Uh, it certainly speaks to safety, and I know you've got a lot to say on this t- subject, but that's the Isle of Man tourist tro- trophy uh, race or the Isle of Man motorcycle race. And uh, I'm going to go through just a very quick history. I will just say I love it. I feel guilty loving it, but I love it. And if you if you don't know much about it, go to YouTube and look into it because it is one of the absolutely most amazing motorsports events that there is. And uh, yeah, so give a basic so basically for listeners, if you've never heard of the Isle of Man TT, so Isle of Man is out there on the English Channel and they have every year they sh- pretty much shut down the island and they have a, they do a loop around the island that is 37 miles long and they don't change anything about the road. I mean, they're going through towns by brick walls and just think of small English B roads and C roads and they are just freaking hauling ass. And it's well, just, just, to, just, to, just to give you some, some color, Stefan, you're absolutely right. This is a race that's been ongoing since 1907, so it's got a history. But when you say hauling ass, uh, I don't know if you knew this, but the record is 16 minutes and 43 seconds. So on those roads you just described, Stefan, the average speed is 135 miles an hour. Yeah, it's Peter Hickman holds the record for that. I looked that up and... There's a couple of great movies also that you can find on I don't know, Netflix or Amazon. I've watched them in Isle of Man, but it is, I, I agree with you. It's, I feel guilty for watching it. Um, I mean, but I've never seen any, the movie you'll see people crash and stuff, but it's just pure insanity to watch these guys come 130 miles an hour, two feet from a brick wall, flying through the air, landing on their rear tire and continuing the wheelie going. They got big balls. I mean, it's like, you know, how, you know, Hunt thought he had big balls. Um, these guys that do this race just had, so I mean, I don't know how they do it. Yeah. It, it reminds me the, the closest analogy I can think of Stefan. And again, it's, it's probably worth noting. I know you're going to talk about the safety uh, or lack thereof, but this used to be on the MotoGP calendar and they stopped in 1976 because it was just too dangerous. And the riders said enough. Um, it is ser- it is dangerous with a capital D. The best analogy I can think of, Stefan, is is free solo. If you ever saw Alex Honnold do his free solo, he climbed the the Capitan, the, I think El Capitan and, and yep. uh, Yosemite National Park, and he did it without ropes. And that's what free solo is. He did it in just less than four hours, and it was heart stopping. And here's why I think it's analogous, Stefan. If you make a mistake when you're free soloing. You die. If you make a mistake through these villages in the Isle of Man TT, you, you die. die. There are injuries. You can get lucky, but you can run into a wall. You can run into a building, and you can you can run into a tree. And this is there's no gravel runoffs or anything like that. And nothing focuses the mind like the the possibility of imminent death. And I think that's why Alex Honnold did such a great job, and he made it. Uh, I hope he never does it again. But these guys are the same thing. If they lose their focus, uh, death is the result or, or can be the result. 
Yeah, it's like bullfighting and um, Formula One back in the 50s and 60s. You know, the chance of dying was high, but this sport has continued on. And it's amazing that somehow, of course, it could never happen in America because of, of our legal system. But it's amazing that this race continues on. But it is sure something else to watch on TV. It's just, it's beyond exciting. And well, just to mind, how many, how many deaths are there and how many deaths were there this year? Okay. So there have been a total of, I looked this up. There have been a total of 280 deaths on the Isle of Man racing since its inception. This year, there have been five so far. And the most recent was a um, father son on sidecars. So for those of you that don't know, the Europeans still, attach a sidecar to a crotch rocket motorcycle and the sidecar is small and aerodynamic and that's really crazy to watch that how fast they're going on these sidecars and of those 280 deaths 74 74% have been from the United Kingdom uh, drivers from the United Kingdom so clearly and this is a sport that's well rooted deeply in history in the, in the UK and after that Isle of Man 18 deaths from people um, from the Isle of Man then that's followed by New Zealand and Austria. Um, only ever been one car death um, person died in a car fatality. And that was in the very first, I think the very first race. They've had two officials deaths. Um, officials officiating the race were struck and were killed. Really sad. Two people died on parade laps after their mm. win. Mm. And then there's been three testing deaths. There's been overall six spectator deaths two during a race and four during um, non-competition practice type setup racing. So, and there's only two years. There's never been a fatality, 1937 and 1982, only since its inception. That That's kind of scary that you go to this race. You may see somebody die, you know, and that, I don't know that that's kind of makes me uneasy. I've got a friend of mine that he wants to go to Isle of Man TT next summer and we also wants to do the Goodwood. I mean, I'd like to do both. I don't know about, I think Isle of Man is like, I'd want to go watch an hour of it and I'd have to leave. I don't know if I could do it sustained. I think it'd be too much PTSD for me just seeing the, but I think, you know, when I, I remember being at NASCAR and I was at Talladega before, when you could actually go up to the fence, and when all 43 cars came by, just literally feet away from me. That was one of the most exhilarating experiences. You couldn't even breathe those cars coming by so fast. So I think to go to Isle of Man and to see those guys coming by like that, I just can't even imagine. I think it'd be frightening as a spectator to see somebody coming by 130 miles an hour on a road that's, and you're on the other side of a wall that, and they're just literally two feet from you. I can't even imagine. Yeah, you watch videos from YouTube, and it, it, there's the spectators are so close. It's hard to imagine that there's not more spectator deaths because again, yeah. it just speaks to their focus and and uh, you know how good they are. I mean, how professional. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you do the math. You know, this is the 101st was this year with 280 deaths. That's almost three per year, yeah. and five this year, as you pointed out. It's uh, it in just 2005, kinda, 11 people died. They had two races that year. 11 people died that year in 2005. Oof. Oof. You know, yeah, and the yeah. father and the son in the sidecar, presumably there's a wife and maybe a couple siblings. Uh, and life, some kids, yeah. Yeah, their life is forever altered. And maybe the son had a couple of kids too. So 
It's, uh, but you know what people say, but they did what they, they died doing what they loved doing. I don't know. I mean, (laughs) I do a lot of things, but uh, nothing like that. Jesus. No, I think, you know, I certainly understand that, you know, like Alex Honnold, who did free solo. uh, He was single at the time. Uh, I don't know if he's married now, but he's single at the time, no kids. And somebody like that dies and they love what they did. They did what they were, what they, what they love doing. I totally get that. But once you have kids, I think kids never get over it. I mean, kids yeah. would kids wouldn't understand that. They'd be like, "Yeah, I know you did what you wanted to do, but I needed a I needed a father and you weren't there for me." I think that once you have kids, you can no longer do that and um you need to do it when you're young, do it before you have kids. Once you have kids, you need to stop. But once again, this is a just like trauma. This is a Y chromosome related issue. You know, I'm sure there are some women that have run the man Isle of Man TT. I couldn't find any statistics on that, but this is just, you know, it's that it's that crazy testosterone-driven Y chromosome, which keeps trauma surgeons in business, you know. The only thing better than a Y chromosome is a little bit of alcohol thrown in the mix. You know, that's job security, but what percentage of 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 what you see is is men versus male versus female? I never asked you that. Oh boy. I I have that in one of my slides somewhere. Motor vehicle collisions, it's all it's predominantly still all male, and then women as passengers with the men. Um, that's still the predominant. I I'd have I I need to look that up. Now, when it comes to shootings and stabbings, um, the Saturday night knife Saturday night knife and gun club, that is really a male predominated um extracurricular activity, without a doubt. Yeah, like so I, I said, Maritime. I bet if you added up uh, the, the traumas related to guns and knives, and then you add up the car accidents where the male was the driver, uh, right. I bet it would be, you know, 90, 95% or something, I would imagine. Yeah, it's up there, you know, but um, yeah, that's just, that's, I don't know how we can fix that. I don't think you can. Maybe castration. I don't know. <laughs> There's no way. <laughs> it's testosterone driven. And that that Isla, Isla Man TT is all about who's got the biggest balls. I mean, but you know, speaking of the guy with the biggest balls, Joey Dunlop won a record twenty six times. Twenty six times he survived and won Isla Man TT, but he unfortunately died in a motorcycle crash in a race in Estonia on a one twenty five cc. He'd already won the five hundred cc class and like the seven hundred fifty cc class, but that guy won the tt 26 times unbelievable i mean that's a stud there dude i mean that that's just that's just crazy yeah that's that's hard to imagine actually uh it has to be young man's game because uh as you get older you pull back a little bit even if you don't have kids you you just start sensing mortality and yeah you pull back a little bit that's why the best best form one drivers are very young because they don't they don't pull back they push forward and uh you think in this race which is just so dangerous and you have to you have to go through these corners at 10 tenths uh and put aside what happens if you crash it's got to be a young person's game but who knows i hope they don't uh, i'm sh- the, the the tour de france i think they're doing a tour de france for women this year first one ever and the tour de france yeah i want to see women do it i don't want to see women do it the isle of man tt no you know you talked about young driver stuff I was at a race with Jack Roush and we were talking about drivers and crashes. He knew I did the automotive research and he said, 
you know, once, once a driver takes a big shunt and has a big crash and they see a little mortality flash across their eyes, he said, rarely do they, rarely is it the person that doesn't affect them, the driver. He said, they, they'll back off uh, when, you know, um, when it gets a little bit scary. And he said, that's the difference between a winner and a champion. A champion never looks back. doesn't matter what happened. They're going to take the chance to, to win, but uh, you'll have some people that win races, but they're not going to be a champion. Wow. Well, uh, I guess we can uh, uh, throw in a teaser for our listeners. Uh, coming up will be uh, an interview, a uh, retrospective, looking back at your experience with Jack Roush, uh, but also an interview. So, Stefan, talk more about that before we sign off. Yeah, so um, I'm going to... This is a 20, 20 year anniversary. I don't know if you want to call it an anniversary, but 20 year. Jack calls it a second birthday since he crashed in 2002, his airplane, and I took care of him. This is 20 years for him. And we spoke on the phone. And I've been meaning over the years to get up to Livonia to visit him and to see his cars and just hang out with him. So here in the next, probably in a week or two, I'm going to cruise up there. I'm going to take the bullet and road trip up there. I'm trying to get as many miles on my car as yours. I don't know if I'll make it, um, but I'm going to drive up there and we'll probably take the bullet out on the runway out there where he's at and have a little fun out there on the runway, just going fast up and down. But we're going to sit down and we're just going to have a converse, uh kind of a friend to friend, doctor to patient, intimate conversation about 2002 and, and life and, what some reflections on his career and racing and and he'll open up and i'm looking very forward to it and i think it'll be a, i think it'll be a a good interview he and i did these interviews after his crash we did so many interviews about the crash and everything but this is just gonna be two of us sitting down with a microphone between us and i think it'll be i think it'll be an introspective intimate look into Jack Roush and a doctor patient relationship that turns into a friendship. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. it of course, we'll be uh, on this show where we'll, it'll be at least two episodes of the podcast, maybe more. And uh, I'm, I'm really excited. And, and for listeners, I'm, I'm not going to go into detail because I know you will Stefan, but he really should have died. His crash uh, was near fatal. He was saved miraculously by someone who just happened to be right there. Uh, and then he, he was saved, uh, by Stefan and Stefan's team at the trauma center. Uh, again, you'll go, you'll go through all the details, Stefan, but that's kind of the bare bones, uh, yeah. what happened and maybe the right word is milestone two years, uh, milestone after, uh, an event like that, where, uh, he was spared from what for a lot of people would have been death and he was spared. All right. So I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. All right. So I'll see some cool cars. So I'll have something to talk about in car spotting, you know, outside of Arley, Alabama. I'll be at their Livonia, his shop. Beautiful. All right. In the meantime, keep your eye out for Altimus. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, at least I don't be looking at Forerunners anymore. I'll be looking at Altimus now, Peter Altimus. Yeah. All right. So watch your closes out, Stefan, and we'll, we'll see everyone next week. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. And remember to hit subscribe and like and leave comments and all that. And if you got time, check out our website. I'm a little behind on it, but carsoncallpodcast.com. Uh, check us out and uh, send in questions. And uh, we'll, we should have time here coming up pretty soon. Hopefully, we'll take some questions. So, all right. We'll talk to you later, Steve O. Take care. Bye bye.